So a quick sidebar, if we choose Wednesdays, mm-hmm. next Wednesday is Thomas's 18th birthday. There's okay. something symbolic about that. What if we announce it on Wednesday and officially our kids are adults. So we're launching this podcast on the day our son turns 18. And that way we can do... That's fine. <laughs> if that's something that you're into, it's fine. I don't see as much momentum. See, this is how we work. I suggest dumb stuff. And maybe 15 years ago, you would have just jumped out the window. And now you're like, fine, whatever. Yeah, I know. Age helps. Yeah. I got to say, age really helps. Age really does help. Oh, God, I'm so glad to be 50. The 40s were real rough. <laughs> you make it sound like we were alive in the actual 40s. <laughs> one topic if we know that we can record another one on the other we should try at least right to stay on topic or at least bring the boat back into the main tributary before we we tie it up yeah well yeah right and actually that metaphor almost worked (laughs) 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 so we're going to publish every monday yeah i think do we want to do monday or do we want to do tuesday let's do every tuesday Let's do every Tuesday. When the Flames Wednesday? Is that too weird? That's too weird. Is it too precious? It's too, like, 2006. Well, of course, you know what we should do is just since the initials are WTF, we'll just publish Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. (laughs) We could. That's funny. I don't know. Well, okay, so welcome to the When the Flames Go Up podcast by Magda Pechina and Doug French. Okay, so this is the first episode. And it doesn't feel that weird to me because you and I talk all the time and you and I have been doing podcasting stuff in the background for years. But for people who don't know why it's interesting that we're doing a podcast, Doug and I used to be married. We got married in when, 1999? Yeah. Got divorced. Oh my God, the last century. And we got divorced. Back in the 1900s. And- yeah. And in <laughs> fact, the anniversary of our marriage, as opposed to our wedding anniversary, was just a couple of weeks ago. I know it was. It would have been 24 years. 24 years of solid misery. Anyway. A bit of liquid misery. Oh, gas. Um, we got married in 1999 and we got divorced. It was official in 2008. And we saw that, I mean, for me, it was really everybody's reactions are divorced. Our kids were little at the time. How old were they? They were five and three. No, six and three. And everybody just was like, oh, well, is Doug ever going to see the kids again? And all this weird kind of stuff. And that wasn't the reality that we were living. So we started writing a blog together about co-parenting after divorce. And we called the blog When the Flames Go Up. It's the lyric from the song Alive and Kicking by Simple Minds, which definitely dates us. But the lyrics, the whole song is... What are you going to do when the worst case scenario happens, right? Like when everything crumbles and that was what we saw it happening. You know, our marriage had crumbled. The family had fallen apart. What are you going to do when the flames go up? And the kids are young and you got to rebuild the floor underneath them. And Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, like spoiler alert, alive and kicking. 
how long did we write that blog? I don't remember. A couple of years. And we always said that eventually the blog would just go away because things would get so boring. And that that was partly what happened. I think you Absolutely. and I just got I thought so. really yeah. into a rhythm of co-parenting. Well, I also think there was some stuff happening with our kids that we couldn't talk about publicly because they were middle schoolers. And it was like, you know, little kid problems you can talk about. Every little kid has potty training issues and pacifier and stuff like that. But once they get into middle school, it seems more personal. And I didn't want to be exposing my kids stuff to the entire Right, We had to tap dance around some basic things in order to maintain their privacy and their dignity. And I think for the most part, though, when um, Lisa Belkin interviewed us and she asked us that exact question, where is this going to go? How will it end? I think it ended the way we hoped it would, because speaking for myself, I learned more about you and about us as a couple and as a pair of people who are linked forever during that year than I did during our entire marriage, which tells you a bit about where the marriage was. But <laughs> but I felt as though, I mean, that was the real bulwark of where we are now, I think, because yeah. we developed a system and we totally lucked out. This is not something that we planned out and you know, new would work. I mean, I'm interviewed many times saying, I don't know if this is the best idea or the worst idea. And it might not be a good idea for divorcing couples, but it worked for us just because we were bloggers at the time. It's kind of how we processed our lives, our emotions, at least how I did in a way. And I think if you talk about the gulf between what life was like back then and the way it is now, you know, when we posted our announcement that we were going to get divorced on our separate blogs, we were inundated hundreds of really helpful, sympathetic comments, rooting for us, rooting for our kids, confident we were going to figure it out. And that, for me, I had wrote two posts. One was called Falling Down, and the following one was called Up on One Knee. And I remember reading through all those comments and crying and that buoyed me a lot, more than I can say at this point. So if you left a comment way back when comments were relevant, bless you, because you have no <laughs> idea how much it helped me. I felt guilty a lot of the time when we were writing that blog. Yeah. Because I would get comments from mostly women, but some men all the time saying, oh, I can't do what you and Doug are doing. I felt like in some ways it made people think that we got along too well. Which, it made us wonder, it made them wonder why, right. hey, why are you guys even well, splitting yeah. up in the first place? Which, again, I think is such a bizarre cultural thing, right? Like the idea that if people can be in the same room together and talk to each other, they should be married is a little bit screwed up, right? Like, well, I, I used to tell I people, mean... <laughs> you know, in order to save time and just not belabor it too much, I would say we were a good match, but a bad team. Yeah. I think we've transitioned into being a good team and I think we're a good friendship match, right? Oh, for sure. You know, like you're a friend to me, but I just felt guilty because a lot of people seemed to think that they were failing somehow because they weren't having the kinds of conversations about co-parenting than you and I were that they weren't able to trust the other person like I could trust you and like you could trust me on a basic human level, right? And that was so unfair for those people because there are just elements of 
toxicity in other people's relationships that were not ever present in ours, right? Like I never worried about the kids being with you physically. I never worried about a whole bunch of decisions that you were making. I never felt like you were trying to hurt me or get revenge or anything like that. I never felt like you were mentally unstable. Like, and well, there that are all was kinds of really people, good subterfuge on my part, but there are all kinds of people who are divorced or divorcing or still God help them stuck in marriages with people who are truly trying to harm them or harm their kids. And it made me feel horrible that those people were trying to model after us. So well, you took that on though. I never took that on because that's not my problem. And it wasn't yours either. This was us well, putting something out into the world. I don't know. And I just, once you do and how it's interpreted is the interpreter's problem because we were just figuring this out. We were lucky in many ways because no one was the villain. Nobody cheated on anybody. Nobody did anything terribly toxic. It just wasn't working, the end. And that's well, one of the reasons we could salvage a friendship after the marriage blew up, I think. Well, I mean, Donald Trump helped a lot with our friendship. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't acknowledge that. <laughs> I mean, I remember, well, I was just sort of like constantly irritated by our situation and by you. And then Donald Trump got elected and holy crap, you figure out who your friends and enemies are. Wait a minute. How is how is this relevant? We got divorced eight years before he became a political figure. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know. It was like, for me, that was a big deal. Trump getting elected, suddenly I was like, oh, really? here's Doug. Yeah. Remember, there was a well, long guess, time where I thank felt you, like Mr. Trump had... for bringing my ex-wife around. <laughs> there was a... There were um, no atheists in foxholes, I guess. That's exactly it, right? There was a long time where I felt like we stuck to a certain sort of like safe list of topics that we could interact on that we weren't going to have conflict about. And then Trump came into office and like basically the entire universe of topics were suddenly safe topics for us. Well, even then, and I, I admit there are some things when I get certain news, especially about my family that no one else knows about, you're the first yeah. person I want to tell about yeah. it. I remember right in the middle of the divorce and you and I were fighting over something kind of specific in the middle of the divorce. I don't even remember what it was. And then the news about the Elliot Spitzer scandal happened. And I remember texting you from work and saying, hey, I need to take a sidebar from our current disagreement right now. Did you see this <laughs> thing about Elliot Spitzer? I was unshunned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, no. I'm, okay. So, we're going off topic. So, why well, are this we is, this podcast? Is, it's important right? we expose our listeners to the kind of nonsense they're going to be listening to because we right, are exactly. going to veer off the main river, but we are going to bring it back home. I almost promise, but yeah. we should tell people like what the podcast is about. I mean, this was an idea and, and it grew out of just the conversations we have, because here we are, our younger son is about to turn 18, mm -hmm. which is a big milestone. He graduates mm -hmm. high school. This, I, I, I had that feeling this morning as I finally got around to changing my calendar, pulling off the April sheet. And I'm like, wow, this is the last month that I'll have any responsibility as far as taking my kid to school. Yeah, I know. You know. When this, when I tear the next sheet of paper off this calendar, my kid will be out of high school, uh, which is a symbolic moment. You know, I mean, never mind the fact that you know you're not going to be living here anymore very soon. It's a very transitional year. Yeah, and I mean, I guess okay. So we so you just mentioned it, right? So we should tell the people who don't actually like know know us. 
I'm getting married in the fall to a guy that I developed a crush on in the fall of 1990 <laughs> at college. Just another person using social media to hook up with an old crush. You know what? I highly recommend it. It's all the rage. A lot of people are doing it. Right. So I had a crush on him. He never had a crush on me. And then he developed a crush on me. And then uh, you brought out the boom chicka boom. And that's all she called wrote. me. And that was it. So yeah. So I'm getting married. Fall. And you got to FaceTime him in a balaclava. And that's what hooked him for real. <laughs> yes. We go out walking in the morning. And I was wearing a balaclava because we had gone out. And this is Michigan and it was January. In Michigan and... when it was really freezing cold. So yeah. And he lives across the country. So I am moving there for three years. Anyway. Well, anyway, um, the, the announcement that you were marrying him, that's the day we became Facebook friends, which I think is an interesting development. And no, I think no, it no, really... it was after. We became it was, Facebook but that friends was the after. catalytic moment though. Um, was it? I don't I know. I think so. I associate fundamental causality there. All right. Well, I mean, because I don't, it wasn't I a surprise. To I don't know. I, it didn't matter to me either way. I frankly, because I I'm rarely on Facebook anymore. But the fact right. is, I think that's an interesting development. There was just some sort of established pattern or uh, the next thing you were going to do, and for whatever reason, yeah. that that made the fence that much more porous. Well, yeah, and I also think you had been such a good cheering section for me and for my fiance when we were starting our relationship. But like, I sort of didn't want everybody to think, oh, how is her ex-husband going to feel now that she's getting married? Right. So uh -huh. Jokes on you, everybody. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. <laughs> like, we're very consciously uncoupled, you know, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I mean the fact that you've oh, been, congratulations, like, Gwyneth, making suggestions for the venue for the wedding and all that kind of stuff. So, like, I think that's probably why I friended you on Facebook right after the announcement of the engagement. I mean, you already knew we were yeah. going to get engaged. Well, that's the point. You I just think I didn't want people to think like, oh, this is some weird point of tension. But I also think it's strange that you and I are friends. Don't you think? I don't think like, about it much. I just take things as they come. You know, I, it's a great thing when you reach 57 years old and you just run completely out of fucks. It's a really liberating thing. So many faces in and out of my life. Some will last, some will just be now and then. I really hope that's the lyric to a song and you didn't make that up. Life is a series of hellos and goodbyes. I'm afraid it's time for goodbye again. Yes, that's uh, Say Goodbye to Hollywood by Billy Joel, and everybody oh, in my high school okay. sang it all the time at our graduation party, okay. also way back in the 1900s. All right. Um, uh, okay, so what's the podcast about? The podcast- It's about which... this. It's about just nattering nincompoops. No. Oh, my God. It's not about nattering <laughs> Oh, sorry. We, uh, that so we, here's... we scrapped that idea? So here's okay, what the podcast is about. The podcast is about the fact that People who are our age, Doug's 57, I'm 50. We My child bride. <laughs> we have been trying to parent in a very specific way to get our kids in a good position to be successful in life and in the systems that we were brought up with. 
and people call it all kinds of different things. But we focused our parenting on helping our kids finesse these systems. And I think some of that is because we, Generation X and older millennials and maybe younger boomers, felt like we didn't get enough help from our parents and the older people around us with pushing through and navigating the systems that existed. I know a lot of people my age feel like they were kind of abandoned, like it was sort of like being a latchkey kid for your entire life and didn't have a lot of guidance. And that felt kind of isolating and lonely. So we've sort of gone in the other direction and really tried to help push our kids into navigating these systems, doing the right thing, building the right resumes, building the right set of experiences, that kind of stuff. And now here we are and our kids are in middle school or high school or after high school or after college. And the systems have all kind of disintegrated. And we can either say we failed or we can say, wow, this was a bait and switch. It was a mirage, something. And we can take our energy and our efforts, all that energy that we put into parenting our kids with all that intensity and love and say, oh, what is the situation actually right now? That experience you talk about explains in part why we became parent bloggers, why parent blogging was such a huge thing at the turn Mm -hmm. of the just because not only were we intent on becoming a new type of parent, we are also intent on sharing what our experience was, writing about it, cross-pollinating with other people writing about their experience and we were full of optimism this was like the most enlightened open discussion about how to bring kids into the world Mm -hmm. and shepherd them somehow into Mm -hmm. where we thought they should be but now we're seeing the ravages of social media which has turned a a complete 180 as far as its effectiveness or its usefulness in, in my life anyway which is why i'm so grateful neither of our kids spends a whole lot of time on it I mean, our older kids off it entirely and the younger ones on the gram a bit just to talk about the play he's in this weekend and to display his riz. <laughs> we do an entire episode on teen lingo. Like, yeah. I feel like I was completely there along with them for years on the language, right? Like cap, no cap, all this stuff. But now riz has come in at the very end of my experience of high school as a parent. There's two very separate lexicons we have to familiarize ourselves with now. We have to figure out how to keep up with our children like and learn words like riz and no cap or whatever. That's probably old already. But also stay in touch with how Medicare works. And, right, exactly. Because you know, <laughs> I have two 80-year-old plus parents and um, I'm the oldest child and I'm going to be the one who's there for them, executing their will and helping them transition to whatever is next when they can't live alone anymore. I mean, they, they live sufficiently now and I know every second is borrowed time as far as that goes. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'd like to move where you're moving instead so I can be closer to my parents and you can bring your husband out here. Um, I would be fine with that. He lives in your house and I'll go live in his house. (laughs) That's the thing though. I think there's just, we were heading toward a very particular destination and we got here and there's no there here. I think you're very right about that. And I also think that's why parent blogging and parent social media has changed so much. And there are a lot of old guard people like us 
who are like, oh, it's so shallow now. It's just the influencers. Well, of course it's shallow and it's just the influencers because there are no answers. We thought that we had these answers and then we were doing all this intensive parenting and people are like, talk about intensive parenting like it's a bad thing. I mean, what else is worth putting your time and energy and research and love into if not parenting your kids, right? So I don't right. think intensive parenting is a bad thing unless it gets out of control for you personally, right? Yeah, but it was always a lot of marketing anyway, and it still is. And it's right. But there right. is still but engagement. Do, you have to work harder to find it, but it's there. Right. But I do think that, of course, now parent blogging is really about being an influencer and products and stuff like that that people are using and the way things look because there's no bear there, right? Like you, you can't talk thoughtfully about what you're doing with your kids because there's no, I don't know. Oh my God. I really don't want to use any sports metaphors, but you know, when the quarterback throws a pass and there's no receiver, I feel like that's what parenting is like right now. You know, we are throwing all of our energy into parenting our kids toward certain goals towards certain systems and then they get there and there's nobody to receive them or to receive their energy or to receive their hard work plus we've got all sorts of exogenous things to deal with we didn't realize yeah. the political situation would be like this we didn't oh, realize yeah well and nobody books you know but you know there's there's all sorts of environmental issues that we're coping with as people uh, right. and explaining to our kids and you know right. trying to stay ahead of them and help build optimism for them because this bullshit is all they know. Right, and exactly. I mean, how much of their lives has the pandemic been? Three years is a long time. Yeah, it's been 20% of their life. Yeah. And it robbed um, our older son of a graduation and a prom. And Well, and honestly, it robbed him of his college experience too. So for the moment, I mean, he's going to find his way around. I, yeah, that's another thing too. We had no idea college would be looked at with such a scarcity as it is now, you know, a I mean, scarcity. Yeah. I mean, for me, the idea for this podcast really came about when I suddenly thought, Hey, I should write a book called what to do when your kid drops out of college <laughs> and lives in his <laughs> car. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, I keep saying this to people that are like, Oh, you should write that book. So I don't know, maybe I'll write that book. I don't, it's not going to be a very long book, but I'm not really into writing long books. Right, well, see, this is how we are a better team because you have good ideas and I'm the one who'll give you a kick in the butt to make sure you do them. <laughs> You're like, where is it? Well, Send you have ideas, thing. but you know, you like to move on to another idea before you execute. Oh my God. I've got 8,000 ideas, 8,000 mm -hmm. ideas. If only I had like $20 million and 40 assistants, I could do all of them. Speaking of which, I would like to talk about the experience of getting diagnosed with ADHD in perimenopause, because that's a really common thing now. And that... I have from all but two of those things. <laughs> right? So, but it explains and, yeah, so I think much. we're going to talk about a lot of this stuff. We're going to talk about what it's like to be dealing with aging parents, whether you also have kids or not, what it's like to realize that Maybe some of these things you thought were negative personality traits are actually like legitimate brain disorders or whatever. I don't know. Is it ADHD called a brain disorder? 
I don't really have any attachment to feeling like my brain is orderly or disordered, that kind of stuff. And I mean, the whole college thing, the whole college thing is batshit now. It's completely batshit from a well, whole... It was always mercurial, you know, and I, I see too many yeah, people, now, people our age. Our generation is the generation of people whose kids are going to college now. And yeah. so many posts out there are equivalent to putting the sticker on the back of your car. I mean, mm-hmm. so many people are in, have invested that goal as... Well, as, like as proof of good parenting. Even though it might not be meant that way, it kind of comes across that way. Because it's like, it's not about you, it's about them. And I think that's one of the things we figured out too. That when you help your kid find the college they need to thrive in, it can't be about how good you feel wearing the t-shirt. It has to be how good they feel arriving on campus. It's interesting to watch how parents are reacting to how mercurial the college admission cycle has become. Because I think even five or six years ago, there was more predictability. You know, if your kid did XYZ, had this three PA, may or may not have taken the dumbass standardized tests, all this kind of stuff, right? Like there was a certain formula you could predict where they were going to get in. And that schools, has all many schools don't even take those anymore. Going you know, to cre- talk well, about yeah. an institution that's no they longer. They don't, but the, I mean, admissions has gone completely nuts. And I am talking to two different people from two different angles to talk to us about that on episodes. But what it means is that parents who were choosing lists of schools to try to get their kids interested in to apply to, you can't have any kind of reasonable expectations anymore where your kid is going to get in. So that whole thing, just the feedback loop has been disrupted. And whether it was good feedback loop or not, right? Like whether what school your kids got into said anything about your parenting or not, at least it was a reliable feedback loop. And that feedback loop has totally been broken. And how do we adjust to that? Well, anyway, okay, so yeah. So, well, let's give them quick and dirty here. Yeah, we're going to come out every Wednesday. We're going to have guests on who know more than we do. Sometimes it'll just be the two of us, not knowing even as much as the other does. I but, also yeah, think be... it's important to say that we are going to do sponsored posts, only of things that we think are actually useful. I also want to make a note that we're going to try to be as accessible as possible. Oh, yes. Listen and by doing that, we're going to... crucial. This is a community. The things survive yeah. because we engage. We no, 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 no. I mean accessible, like uh, alt text for screen readers and transcripts and stuff oh, like sure. that. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. We'll have transcripts. And that is stuff, a yeah. specific goal for us. So if we are not providing something that you need, please don't feel like you're going to make us feel bad if you say it, because we do want to do it. And if we didn't do it, it was just an oversight so to me that you saying something about it is as if you just told us we made a typo right like, right but which lends itself to the greater issue which is i look at this as a podcast community i mean granted yeah. we're going to be having the conversations but your feedback your ideas your pushback we can take it all and we want right. it all just because that's how we aggregate wisdom i want this yeah. to be a resource i want people yeah. to be able to look back on this we're going to talk about anxious kids next week with Don Friedman, who is amazing. Yeah. And if you have an anxious kid years from now, if you go back to, you know, episode one or episode two, we're building a library here of shared experience and, and acquired wisdom. And that right. doesn't happen unless you help. Right. Wow. We agreed.
We do, you know, this reminds a lot. Me. It just takes us a long time. Right. But this reminds there. me, one of the great things also about this is this reminds me about how way back in the day, one of my first paid gigs was with a company that Oprah owned. And it was a blog called He Said, She Said. And they paired me up with a woman and they actually, we had meetings and said, okay, what do you guys disagree about the most? Let's stir some real shit up and we'll have a... Uh, a back and forth about it and rile up the silt in the fish tank. And I'm like, that was just nonsense. It was nonsense from start to finish. I hated doing it when I did it. The gig was a gig and it was a gig. And I enjoyed the fact that I was making money from my blogging experience, but we are so far past that now, I hope. Well, I also think you and I, if somebody said, hey, argue about this, I think both of us are good enough at writing argumentative essays that we could just pick up and take aside, right? Anyway, thank you for listening to episode one of the When the Flames Go Up podcast. If you enjoyed it half as much as we did, then we enjoyed it twice as much as you. Oh, God. I'll cut that out. All right. <laughs> uh, but thank you for listening. And um, as I say, we'll be here every Wednesday. And I'm looking forward to discussions with you because they're fun. I mean... The best part about this idea from my end was like, we have discussions like this all the time. I'd be talking to you on the phone and then look down and it's, it's been an hour. And yeah, I know, which is a little the weird. kind of thing, you know, we're already used to having discussions like that. So why not just put them in podcast form and inflict them on other people? Right. By the way, you should also know that Magda has two kinds of laughs. She has the right away, the cackle, or she has the, I can't breathe. And you don't know if she's laughing or not, but then there'll be like 20 seconds of silence and then you'll hear, eh. <laughs> I can't help it. I just laugh the way I laugh. I know, but I, I've I learned to figure out which too. laugh is which because I initially I would panic. I'm like, either that wasn't funny or she's dead. Well, and turned I don't out know which is true. worse, honestly. Yes. <laughs> right. All right. I think that's it, right? The first episode. So... Are people, I don't even know how people chat on the Substack. People can leave comments under this. Yeah, this is can. one of my favorite expressions. We are building this plane as we fly it. And any rivet that anybody contributes is a help. Hey, another transportation metaphor. Oh, boy. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next, next Wednesday. Week. Yes. And thank you very much for listening. Then I'm really glad that it's Wednesday, because otherwise we'd have to say, see you next Tuesday. Oh, yeah, let's not do that. <laughs>